Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positive Pessimist Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaither. I hope you guys are all doing well. My guest today is Mike Baldwin. Mike Baldwin is a stand-up comedian. He's one of the best in the country. He's one of those guys that if you watch Mike Baldwin do comedy and don't think he's one of the best comedians you've ever seen, you probably don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> he is just a very likable, very funny guy, great joke writer, and uh, yeah, I've never seen anybody quite like Mike Baldwin. Um, as always, go to makingathappen.com and help out little Bo Macon when this is over, and make sure you subscribe to the channel. I would really appreciate it. It helps me out. helps my family out. And without any further ado, let's bring in Mike Baldwin. How you doing, man? Not too shabby. Good to is see this, you. Is it the thing? Is now the thing? Or has it not started yet? Uh, we started it, but we'll just edit out anything you don't want uh, in there. I don't know if you want to close I that. Want, I want all of this in there. <laughs> okay. Well, we can make sure that's in there. Yeah, you might want to close those. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I... I don't know. I just uh, I can't stop looking at your groceries when they're back there. Yeah, this is like my this is my Zoom spot. I like to have all that stuff in the background. It's like a Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. It gives people <laughs> other shit to look at while I'm talking. You know. Yeah, it's a sweet looking beard, man. How long have you been growing that thing? Oh, uh, too long. It's getting. I have like a perfect stripe of gray though, right in the front. <laughs> I don't. I, honestly, I forget when I started. When I like stopped trimming it or whatever, it's probably been ten months, maybe. Yeah, well, it looks good. I can't. Yeah, like every day, I'm like, ah, I'm gonna trim it today, and I just <laughs> never do. <laughs> yeah, you should just like let, let that thing keep eating, man. I uh, I I can't ever get past the itchy phase. Oh really? Yeah. No, I itchy is like a week, and then after that, then it's. It just becomes, it's like, uh, it's the same rule as pubes, really. Uh, <laughs> once they get to a certain length, they just become soft and, and kind of tolerable, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take your word for it. I've never shaved my pubes. Um, oh, well. I mean, I've trimmed them up, but I've never, uh, I've never shaved them. I, I got waxed once when I was in Florida, just on a whim for the hell of it. <laughs> and uh it was awesome like uh it was like three weeks of like every girl that that got anywhere near there would be like oh <laughs> yeah how do you uh how do you how did that happen how do you even how did you end up getting uh your your business waxed i don't remember how it exactly happened i know i was working with uh i think i was working with slade ham do you know who that is i do actually uh, yeah I, I was working with him, and uh, it was either him or Tom Simmons. I worked with both of them in Tampa, and I don't remember which one this happened with. But, uh, I, dude, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I, it just came up, and I was like, I'll do it. And, and then I did it. Was there alcohol involved? There probably was, yeah. That was still back in my, in my drinking days. Yeah, how long has it been for you now? It's been... Uh, Oh, sorry. Is it okay if I smoke in here? Yeah, you can smoke. Go ahead. That was a joke because I'm not <laughs> in the same room as you. Oh, I got uh, it. <laughs> it'll be, uh, oh, shit, what's today? Oh, uh, on the 18th, it'll be six years. Oh, wow. Jesus. So I'm one week away from six years of alcohol sobriety. I 
I started smoking pot again a few years ago, so I'm not like I can't cl- I can't like go to AA meetings and be like me too, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> just all high and shit. I quit drinking too, everybody. Yeah, it's been over t- ten years for me since I drank, and uh, it's it's gone pretty damn fast. Yeah, I agree. So to- my six years has flown by. So to quit, did you did you go to AA or any of that stuff, or did you just quit? I went to one AA meeting, and I was just like, nah, you guys are, you're doing good here, but I this isn't really my <laughs> style or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because I never really, like, I could easily not drink, and that was never my problem. Uh, it was just stopping once I started, you know? Yeah. Like, but I could easily, like, take a night off or take a week off or whatever, but it was just like... It, what do they say? Like, uh, like one is never enough, and or one is too many, and the next twenty are never enough. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I don't know. I ended up quitting because, well, I just decided to take a month off because I got drunk in Columbia, Missouri, working at uh, Deja Vu Comedy Club, and just made an ass out of myself. I have jokes about it now, but. I literally did. I was like sitting at a bar. There was like a husband and wife sitting there and I kept trying to hold the lady's hand and her husband was like, dude, come on. I was like, you just mind your own fucking business. And it was like a, the, the wait staff was there and they like had to protect me and stuff. And that was on a Friday night. So then I woke up that Saturday just feeling like a giant piece of shit. And I was like, I'm not drinking in front of these people again tonight. Like I'm going to just go to the club do my set and bounce. Like I'm not selling shirts or anything. And, uh, and then, yeah, I was like all nervous cause I was going to do comedy sober, you know, and, and, uh, and I crushed and it was awesome. And I was like, man, Hey, not drink it actually worked. And then the next week I was in uh, hyenas in Dallas and I got to do, uh, Doug Benson was there that week, uh, at the other club and he was doing like Doug loves movies or, or one of his smoking pop podcasts or whatever. And, <clears throat> Uh, so I got to be on that and I was like, well, I'm not going to drink at that. Like, I don't want to get drunk and make an ass of myself and on a national podcast. So then I did two, I counted that as a show also. And I was like, well, there's two in a row sober yeah. and they both went really well. Like maybe I'm on to something here. Yeah. The next thing I know it had been like three months and I was like, well now if I drink, then I'm just losing this streak that I've got going. So, yeah. yeah, and next thing I know, it's uh, a one week away from six years. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's nice to be able to wake up and walk into a club and not kind of be like, you know, if the bartender doesn't say hi right away, you know, it's nice to be like, well, they're just busy, they're not mad at me. <laughs> right, I know. Well, but then that adds a whole new level of, of stress because it's like, well, I know I didn't get drunk and do anything, so I'm just yeah. an asshole. Like, yeah. does this guy not like me for some other reason? Yeah. Did you black out when you were drinking? Because I, I used to black out all the time. I could be like, I could be, I could be so, people thought I was, they'd be like, dude, you don't remember that? You seemed fine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember any of that. I'm, I'm really good at acting yeah. sober if I want to, but... That's exactly how I was. People were like, you didn't seem drunk at all. And I was like, dude, I was wasted. And they were like, no, nah, you're just being funny, man. And I was like, well, that's almost worse. Like, that yeah. I can just cover up my immense drunkness so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really miss it all that much. This Sunday, I'm going to be given a, a little bit of a eulogy for my brother's memorial. And I, that that I'll probably wish that I could have a couple of cocktails, but... 
it's certainly not worth giving up uh, 10 years of, of not drinking for it. Um, Sorry about your brother. Thanks, that buddy. sucks. Yeah, I know. Um, how have you been these days? Are you working much? I'm working uh, enough. I'm. Uh, it's kind of weird. Like I, like before coronavirus, I basically was doing the same stuff that I've been doing the last year, which is like calling clubs and being like, "Dude, I have nothing right now. Like, can I just get anything?" And so then, once Corona started happening, then I was like, "Well, this is the same as it's always been." Uh, so no, I mean, I didn't really struggle all that much. I've still done probably like one or two gigs a month throughout this entire thing. Yeah. Um, it was kind of working to my benefit there for a while because all these clubs were like, dude, we're not, we're not paying anybody to do comedy right now. Like we're, we're paying dog shit. And I was like, that's what I make normally. Like, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, I'll headline in your club a thousand miles away for $400. Like I'll sell t-shirts. I'll be fine. You know? Yeah. Uh, so doing stuff like that, plus, uh, some unemployment, I got unemployment in the beginning. Uh, but that didn't last long. Cause I ended up, I was living in Missouri. I moved to Kansas. And, uh, so then it was the whole, like Missouri wouldn't give me money cause I didn't live in Missouri and Kansas wouldn't give me money because I haven't lived in Kansas long enough. Yeah. How long have you been doing comedy now? You started probably, what, like a year after me? Uh, I don't know. When did you start? Uh, I st my first open mic was January of 99, I think. Yeah. Oh, shit. I imagined you doing it, like, so much longer than me before I started, because you were, like, featuring sometimes when I started. Yeah. And, or, I mean, you, would, you were headlining Stanford's on, like, Wednesdays and stuff when I started, so... No, that's that's interesting that you'd only. I started probably in like August of two thousand. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't realize. I thought I started at least two or three years ahead of you, but uh, yeah, Stanford's was great about uh, feet or headlining people before they were ready. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great at, when we were at that level. But then once we got to the level where we were headlining everywhere else, then Stanford started to not seem like that good of a deal anymore. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was going to ask you this later, but I might as well do it now. Did you have a good? Did you have a good relationship with the Glaziers, or were you even working for them by the time like Craig died? I wasn't. I hadn't talked to Craig in several years. By the time he died, um, the last thing that I did for them was when they were still at in the big room at the Legends uh, before they ever moved to any of the smaller things. Um, I got along with Craig pretty good. For the first 10 years of comedy, I guess, like I, I mainly like when I look back on it now, none of it seems that terrible to me. Like I was I was talking to somebody else about this the other day about how he would be like, oh, that's too much coffee to put in the in the coffee machine. Like you need this exact scoop. Otherwise, you're, you're just wasting coffee, you know, and <laughs> and I, I told that story to somebody and they were like, well, yeah, I mean. You don't want to waste coffee. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, but I was telling the story like, and then the dick was like, 
oh, we're going to waste coffee. And the guy was like, well, yeah, man, that, that makes perfectly good business sense to me. And yeah. uh, so it was kind of the same way, you know, where he was just like, hey, you're not working anywhere else. Do you want to work tonight? We're not going to pay you, but you can do it if you want. And like, there were times that I was like, man, fuck that. Like you can afford to pay a comedian, but yeah. now looking back on it, it's like, eh, I mean, I could have sold merch. I could have like, I don't know. Yeah. But no, I, towards the end, I didn't get along with them at all. I didn't even talk to them. Yeah. You know, what was great about that whole situation is we've all, we all got screwed by the Glazers at various times and everything, but, um, you know, I got a lot of freaking stage time out of them, and when I think about, you know, even when they screwed us on money, I would usually make pretty good merchandise money, and, uh, yeah, you know, there was a lot of good things about them, and a lot of times you don't realize things until someone's gone, or that it's not even a possibility anymore, but, um, you know, there towards the end of his life, I kind of started to realize, like, you know, that he was the way he was for a reason and we're all we're all screwed up for a reason and and uh so i started to give him a little more slack about it plus when i moved to la he started giving me better money something about craig and moving to uh california he he just he just it bumped him up a little bit in in his opinion because he was so uh he was so crazy about that kind of stuff you know um yeah i agree <laughs> do you have any uh do you have any stories about radio with that guy um, he never did. An, I mean, I did radio with him, uh, quite a few times. The one thing that sticks out is that, uh, he took me to some, I guess looking back now, it was probably like first watch or village Inn or something like that. But he took me to some restaurant for breakfast after we went and did radio. And I just remember being really uncomfortable because he didn't take his sunglasses off. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's like a beautiful day outside, just bright and sunny. And he's just like, I don't know. He just looked, somebody once said, like, uh, Craig Glazier was more L.A. than anyone they had ever met in L.A. <laughs> and I think that's like an accurate description of him. He just, he was, he felt like a movie star yeah. to himself, I think. Yeah. Even though, like. I don't know. Like his whole life just seemed like, oh no, I'm working on this really big thing right now, and I I think most of the money that he made running the comedy club was from the dance club that they had in the basement. If you remember that, like all those Fridays and Saturdays, there would just be lines of people like down the block, and they're all paying twenty dollars a head or whatever just to come in and hang out. And that was like after the comedy show and everything. I think they made most of their money off of that. Yeah, he was he was funny. Like you know, I remember going to breakfast with him, and he kept he had like this stock in crude oil or something, and he literally like every two minutes was on his phone going, "Uh, yeah, what's the what's the status on crude oil?" And I'm like, "Dude, are you doing this for me, or do you really need to check it that often?" Like it was literally every two minutes he's on his phone calling him back and and checking the status of his crude oil. And uh, he, he the last time we went to breakfast, the last two times we went to breakfast. He uh, forgot his wallet, and I had to pay. And <laughs> um, yeah, he was a freaking character. Um, so I wanted to ask. I think he. I, I think he taught me a lot. Like I always look at it like any time a, a booker or a club owner or anybody like sort of screwed me over after that, I was always like, "Well, this is nothing compared to some of the things that Craig has done." Yeah. Uh, 
So he kind of prepared us for the world of comedy, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. I was actually going to say something similar to that is, is, uh, you know, there'd be like, they'd be like, oh, this guy's shady. And I'm like, eh, I, I, I bet I can deal with him just fine, you know? Right. <laughs> like, this guy's going to try to not pay you. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm going to get paid. Like, yeah. He's not not going to pay me. I don't care what he says. Yeah, I, I take pride in the fact that people were always talking about how the Glaziers screwed them. And I'm like, they never screwed me. I would go in there and be like, this is what you owe me. And they would st- sit there and and try to tell me why they were screwing me, and they would they would spend like an hour, and this was going back to like MCing, they'd owe me 50 bucks, and I would stand there for an hour just being like, all right, well, when am I going to get that money? And Jeff would finally go, fuck it, cut him a check, and he'd be so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> he would be so pissed off that I got the money they promised me. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, that happened to me. Like, every time I worked Legends, because they would be open... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But they would never be there on Sunday, the day that you got paid. So you would go to the bartender, and he would pull a check out of the cash register, and I would look at it, and it would be hundreds of dollars less than what Craig said it was going to be. And I would be like, dude, what is up with this? And the bartender would be like, hey, man, I'm just the bartender. I don't know nothing about nothing. Like (laughs) That was like the way that they did it, you know? So then you would have to call on Monday and be like, Craig, my check was way short. And he'd be like, was it? Like, I don't think... Uh, didn't we agree on 150 for eight shows? And I'm like, no, dude, like, that's not right at all. He would always end up paying me, though. Or yeah. he would be like, oh, all right, well, do you want to work next week? And I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that makes us even, I guess. Yeah. Jeff was the one that was really, he did not want to give you the money he owed you. Jeff would get pissed off. But you know what? Uh, I have to say that towards the end of Jeff's life, I don't know if he knew that he was sick and dying or what, but he became like a much more warm, like nice person. And, and he would ask me if my check was right and, and just totally changed there towards the end of his life. So I'm not sure why that was, but, um, just Did he die after Craig. No, he was, it was Jack and then Jeff and then Craig. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't, I was, a, I was still working when Jack died. Yeah. But I wasn't working for him anymore by the time Jeff died. Yeah, Jack was so pissed off at me one time about uh, getting the money that they owed me. I mean, he was just livid. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're so mad about. I go, I go one time, Jack, I came in here to feature, and the headliner didn't show up, and neither did the MC. So I did an hour and a half by myself, and I didn't ask for a nickel. So it works both ways, you know? And he was like all right, I'm okay with that. And I'm like, yeah, you should be, you dick. But <laughs> that's how they were. <laughs> they would get so mad at you for uh, asking for the money you owed me. Especially Jeff. He would just be like, this fucking is guy. Is all you care about is money? <laughs> it's like, well, what, what do you care about? <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's switch this topic up a little bit. Let's talk about, uh, I didn't realize, and and. I don't know when you got into the whole uh, Trump thing and and politics in general, but you know I was always I guess if I had to had to choose I was kind of a left leaning guy or whatever and uh, you know as most comedians are I was Democrat I guess but I never really put much thought into it and then about a year and a half ago maybe I started noticing some of the things that the media was was telling us that just turned out to be complete bullshit 
And then I started looking into all the things that Trump had actually done for this country. And you were one of the few guys that I noticed um, was noticing the same thing. And it's I'm pretty sure that you got into it way before I did. You know, like, like him trying to expose all the corruption and all that stuff. Um, so when did you find, when did you first get into that kind of thing? Uh, I think when I first started like getting into the, cause like the, the idea of like internet conspiracies are like hand in hand with being pro Trump. Like it all ties together because you're like, well, wait, that's bullshit. I know that that one thing is bullshit. Is this thing bullshit too? And then you start looking at everything and you're like, oh my God, it's all bullshit. Like, wait, this guy's married to that lady and that lady decides this guy's fate in this thing. Like how, why is nobody complaining about that? Yeah. And then like, uh, uh, like Trump Jr. Like has a meeting in, in Trump tower with, uh, with some lady and they're like, you can't do that. Like get us, get their whole family out of there. And you've got, like, Hunter Biden, like, smoking crack on video, and people are like, no family. Leave the family out of it. It's not fair. And it's like, dude, the guy's, like, 50. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, his young boy. Like, it's a 50-year-old piece of shit man. Yeah. Like, I think we should be allowed to talk. I don't know. There's just an endless number of things like that where it's like, wait, that's not the way that that really happened. Yeah. Like, he didn't say Nazis are very fine people. Right. And yet that's what everybody quotes, you know? Oh, you mean that guy that likes Nazis? And it's like, what? He didn't say that. Yeah. Like, if you just listen to the thing that he said, I don't know. Like, I try to make jokes about it and shit, but it's like, a lot of it is people will either be like, no, or they'll just be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's not a lot of, like, shock value in any of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when uh, that whole Nazi thing came out. I was watching it, and I, at the time, I, I kind of hated Trump. But I remember thinking, like, "Oh, dude, you shouldn't." They're they're gonna take that what you did, that little piece of that, and they're just gonna put it on a loop. You know, they're very fine oh, people yeah. comment. And uh, for me, uh, you know, my brother, my little brother who passed away, is the one that pointed out some things about nine eleven to me. And at first. I was like everyone else when you bring up this topic. I was kind of offended by it. I was just like, no, they wouldn't do that and blah, blah, blah. And I I almost got kind of pissed off at him like, dude, shut up, you know. And then I watched this documentary and then I started really getting into it and looking into it. And the thing that did it for me, and this might, I don't know if this will get the podcast taken down. It might, but the thing for me was Building 7. And when I realized Mm -hmm. the lies behind that and that the media never questioned it, and then I started noticing all these other things that the media never questioned. And then when Trump came out, I just I just hated him at first. And then when I realized, like, oh, they hate him so much because he's ruining their game. You know, like these politicians that get so rich while they're in office on government salaries, it's because they're screwing the American people. And that's what he's trying to do is give the power back to the people. And then I just started really liking the guy. And at where at one point... He annoyed the shit out of me. All of a sudden, he became kind of funny to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, What is it that you like about the guy? I like that uh, he just doesn't seem to, and you know, for better or worse, he just doesn't really have a filter, you know? Like, I feel like he would talk to me or you the same way that he talked to 
Kim Jong-un or whatever, you know, like he just, it's not like, like I might feel, you know, like, oh, this guy's a big, important guy. Like I better be nice to him. I better respect him and shit like that. uh, I forget who it was. It was some uh, like football player or somebody was talking about how they met Trump for the first time. And he was like, tuck your shirt in, man. Jesus, look at your shirt just bagging up and shit like that. The guy's like, I've never met him before in my life. And he just immediately was like trying to improve my dressing and shit. And, uh, but he was just that kind of, uh, he's that kind of dude, you know? And, but he's, I, I feel like he's not an idiot. People think that he's a, a blubbering idiot. And I think that he's, I think that he, he can, for one, he's, he's got a great memory. Like if you watch him versus Biden, as far as like, remembering people's names and like what departments people work in and shit like that. Like he nails all of that stuff. And Biden's like, Oh, over here at the, the CCD, the health, uh, this guy has been running it for, Oh man, this guy. Yeah. I mean, you, you're like, number one, it's the CDC, not the CCD. And you obviously don't know this fucking guy's name too. <laughs> like it just, it's such night and day, I think. Yeah. But I guess, I guess people dig it. People well, like Biden, I guess. Uh, I mean, he got more votes than anybody in history. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I personally... Do you think he did? Or are we allowed, <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about that, are we? Um, well, again, it's one of those things that, yeah, they, they, might, uh, they, they might pull it down just for talking about that kind of thing. But I'm of the opinion that there is no way in history that the... Uh, worst candidate in history also got the most votes. I just personally don't believe that. And and I guess we'll see soon, you know, that what's going on in Maricopa County and all that stuff. Um, yep. What I was going to say about Trump was that, yeah, he's way smarter than people give him credit for. And he really loves America. And, the you know, the Constitution was written for we the people and all that. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Americans have just kind of forgotten that, you know, like, they're slowly chipping away at our rights and people think you're some kind of conspiracy theorist when you bring that up but you know like even 9-11 the fourth amendment is no illegal searches and seizures and now they're able to do that just because of the whole uh you know of all that Patriot Act. yeah um yeah. you know and th- there's just I, a... I don't i mean I, I can see both sides of it you know like i yeah like as an american citizen like i don't want to know that there's somebody listening into my phone calls or, you know, some CIA guy watching this shit like live as we do it (laughs) so they can cut out certain parts or whatever. Like none of that makes me comfortable, but I, it's like the, it's freedom versus uh, safety or whatever, you know, like there are rights that we give up for our safety. Um, Yeah. Wait, are you still there? Yeah. I'm here. Oh, you sound you sounded far away for a second. I'm still here. Um, so I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it's. It, but I feel like the Constitution was was written in a smart way that they knew could, you know, survive the ages or whatever. Yeah. And people say like that oh, was just written by like racist white men or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, but those racist white men specifically left the word white out of the constitution, even though they totally could have thrown it in there. Yeah. And it probably would have passed a lot easier than during that time. But also like it wouldn't have passed at all if they had been like, and slaves are free and every single person gets, uh, you know, equal right to everything. Like 
They just said all men are created equal to leave it open for like the next 500 years yeah. for us to argue about what exactly that means, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they were super freaking smart. I mean, they, they really thought of everything when it came to, uh, you know, laying out the foundation for the country and everything. Um, does it bother you when people hear that you're, uh, that you are a Trump supporter and that they think of that anyone who supports him is just an ignorant racist and all that? Because that bugs the shit out of me, personally, that, that, any, that, that that's what the first thing someone would go to. Because, and I know that you don't have any, any racist tendencies in you either, you know, so does that part bother you? What bothers you the most? Um, yeah, well, it's just, I think it's how, I guess I'm the same way, though, now that I'm thinking about it, but it's just how dismissive people are of, of people on, on this side of the aisle or whatever, you know, like, yeah. uh, I'm like, uh, people are like, oh, I love the, the Rachel Maddow podcast or whatever, and I'm just like, ugh, like, I can't, like, how can you even listen to that shit? But then I'm just like, oh, yeah, I like, uh, you know, like Ben Shapiro or Dan Bongino or somebody like that, and people are just like, they're so full of shit. Like, that guy's so annoying. And I'm like, well, have you ever actually listened to him? And they're like, no, I hate the way he talks. It's just, he talks, he's the, what do they say? He's the stupid person's smart guy. And it's like, I don't even know what that means. For one, like, but it's, and I think it's just both sides. I feel like the, there's, there's us down here. And then there's like the, the people making all the decisions way up here and they're just throwing out shit for us to fight over while they're doing their like nefarious shit up at the top. So they're just like, yeah, yeah. Fight about cops or race or whatever. And, and we'll just be up here. Uh, you know, worshiping Satan and sacrificing <laughs> children or whatever the fuck we do. And yeah. you guys can just argue amongst yourselves. I feel like it's a lot of that all the time. Yeah. Do you think, are are you of the opinion that uh, that Trump is still going to become the president and all that? I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy to some people, but there are some pretty compelling arguments out there, you know. And if you listen to some of them, you're like, huh, you know. I think I think the fact that if the Democrats were so sure that there was nothing shady going on, then I think they would be like, yeah, let's fucking, let's do audits. Let's audit the whole fucking thing. Just so they could be like, see, I told you, but instead they're like, no, it's fine. Go look in there. And you're like, well, I just want to look. And they're like, don't go in there. Like it's, I feel like that alone is a sign that they know that there had to have been something shady going on. But, I mean, I've seen videos of people literally, like, running ballots through a machine and then taking them out and running them through the same machine again. Like, I know that there was shit going on. It's just a matter of, like, is it going to be enough to flip an election? And I don't know. And it depends on what proof they come up with. Because I've heard stories of all sorts of shit, of, like, the, the you know, the Smartmatic machines having... Uh, like fractional voting and shit where like every vote for Trump counted as 0.8 of a vote and every vote for Biden counted as 1.2 votes and stuff like that. So like if, uh, you know, Trump gets 10 votes and Biden gets 10 votes, then they're like, nope, Trump got eight, Biden got 12. (laughs) And you're like, well, how does that, like if they, if, if there's proof of that shit, then yeah, I don't think they'll have any choice but to flip it. But I think there's so many people that are, are working to like, I, 
I think there's plenty of shady people that know that they're doing shady shit. But then I also think that there's plenty of people that just don't like Trump and just don't want to believe that that there's a way that he could still get in there, you know? Yeah. Well, so you're like, no, look at this video. She's running. They're like, that's not a video. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to watch that. And you're like, just dude, it's 15 seconds long. Just watch it. And they're like, nah, that could have been for many elections. Yeah, you know, Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. You know, like I, I sent this buddy of mine um, a video of him, and it was it was Trump, and he was uh, he was speaking in front of these uh, black kids. I don't know what the deal was, but he was accepting some award or something. And this kid got, like, choked up, and he was thanking Trump for all the things he had done, you know? And I was like, this is what everyone needs to see, is, you know, this these kind of videos. And I sent that to my buddy, and he's like, I don't want to see that, dude. And I'm like, it takes it takes one minute, and it's, it's seriously like a beautiful moment. It'll almost make you tear up. And he's like, I don't want to see it, you know? And I think people just hate him so much that you could be like, dude, did you hear Trump cured cancer and AIDS? And they'd be like, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd say on stage, is that people hate Trump the same way they hate their sister's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> you're just like, hey, do you remember what Greg did? And they're like, fuck Greg. <laughs> you're like, you don't even want to know what he said? No, whatever he said, he probably said it like a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I was saying in the introduction that you're one of the funniest guys in the country, and... Uh, you know, you you really are. You've got a great style, and uh, you're a great writer, and all that. What what got you into comedy to begin with? Um, I mean, I guess I could probably go all the way back to second or third grade or whatever. I was just the fat kid, you know. So I would like make people laugh and stuff. And the first time I did comedy was in the sixth grade talent show, uh, and then I didn't do it again for. Uh, you know, 20 years or 15 years or whatever it was. And uh, my first open mic, I was 18. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I, I got a job waiting tables at the comedy club for a couple of years before I ever did open mic there. So that was probably, you know, something inside me like, oh, I'll work at the comedy club. Like I could have got a waiting tables job anywhere, you know? Yeah. But that was like the first place that I went and applied and, so I worked in the kitchen there for a couple of years before I ever did open mic night. So I knew like all the managers. I knew Craig. Uh, I had watched plenty of comedy shows. Uh, so it was just one of those things like, dude, I could I could do this better than that guy's doing right now. Yeah. At least, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. And then I started doing open mics and stuff. Um, I was... I don't think I was that good in like in my first year or whatever, but I, I know I brought a lot of people to the club. I remember uh, I made it to the finals of the funniest comic in Kansas City contest, which we now know is the which open micer is going to bring the most friends to open mic night contest. But yeah. I didn't know that at the time, you know, but I brought like 150 people to this open mic night and I got like a standing ovation when the MC introduced me. <laughs> uh, so, so it was just like, it was, I was a sure thing basically. Uh, and, and I felt really good about it. Like I would say stuff and the whole crowd would hoot and holler and laugh and everything. And uh, there was this other guy, Jay Reyes, 
who had like a, an actual set and he was actually really funny and he did really well. And, uh, and he got second and then they were like, and the winner is Mike Baldwin and everybody went crazy. And then the next, that was on a Monday. So then the next night on Tuesday, uh, or the following Monday or whatever, uh, we're all sitting there before the open mic and Ron, who was one of the managers at the time, uh, was like running the open mic and he was like, all right, let's talk about the contest a little bit. Uh, did Mike Baldwin deserve to win the contest? No, but he won. And <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, and I just remember, like, feeling so heartbroken. I was like, what do you mean, no? Like, I crushed. It was great. I brought the crowd. And uh, and he was like, no, Jay Reyes obviously should have won, but that's not how this stuff works out. So let's focus on the next open mic. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Uh, and then I, Jay was pissed. I remember that. Like, because he really did deserve to win. Anyway, I don't remember what the question was. but That's okay. Um, I don't remember what it was now either, to be honest with you, but. Um, I think that's why I thought you started so much later than me is because you were so much younger than me when you started because I was 23 and you were 18 so it seemed like yeah. I was like six years ahead of you but I wasn't yeah that could have been it yeah I remember yeah like I was definitely scared of like you and and Justin Leon and uh and Porter I think those you three I think were the the three like most intimidating ones like everybody like DC and and uh, like Johnny O and guys like that would just be like, hey, man, welcome to comedy. And like you three would just be like, hey, like, don't talk to me. Like, you're not as cool as me. And I remember one time, actually, I don't remember if this really happened or if I've just told this story so many times. But I'm pretty sure we were at an open mic and you were drunk one time. And uh, and you go, hey, Baldwin, Baldwin, what are you looking at? And like, <laughs> made me like stop and look at you. And then you're like, what are you looking at? Everybody laughed. I don't know. It was a uh, fun times. That's funny. I don't remember ever saying that to you. I remember that kid Devin Allen. Um, I, I remember. I remember being drunk one night and him like him hitting me or I don't remember what he did, but I was like, if you touch me again, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> and then afterwards, you were like, I had no idea you were like that. And I'm like, I'm not really like that. I just can't stand that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he died. Did he really? Yeah, like oh. a few years ago. I don't know how exactly, but oh, uh, but yeah, I remember uh, we were doing a show at it was some show up north. I can't think of what it was called now, but it was in like North Kansas City, like Chubby's or Chubs or something like that. Uh, damn it! What is the name of that place? Uh, Chums. Chums. That's right. Great. We were doing a show there. I think it was like an open mic, and Devin was on stage, and. Uh, and I was standing in the back with David Nickerson, and David Nickerson's just like, dude, I fucking hate this guy. Like, And he would like say a joke and a punchline, and then Nickerson would go, Psh! like, God, it's so hacky. Like, this guy's just terrible. And we're doing this, he was doing like a 10-minute set, and we're doing this for like nine minutes. And finally, like, somebody comes over and nudges us, and he's like, hey, dude, that's his camera right there. And we were, like, standing right behind Devin's camera, like, talking shit about him. And, uh, yeah, we were worried for, like, a week. And then the next week, Devin came to open mic and was like, ha-ha, guys, real funny. Like, like, insinuating that we were just messing with him. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad that he's dead. I had no idea that he passed away, but uh, that guy used to get under me. He was one of those guys that I... You know, Emery Emery started that monster. The first time he came off stage, Emery was like, man, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that well their first time, and you were really edgy, and you could just see Devin's head going... 
you know. And, uh, yeah, I remember being like, I needed somebody to open for me doing some one-nighter or something. And I was like, hey, man, how much time do you have? And he's like, I got about 50. And I'm like, I didn't ask how long you could stand up there like an asshole ass. <laughs> how much time you had. Um, and then I asked him years later. I saw him somewhere. And uh, he had never really done comedy. And not for, you know, even close to a living or anything. And I remember being like, are you still doing comedy? He's like, nah, I had to get out of it. The game was just eating me alive. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that was hilarious. Um, So I already asked you what your relationship was like with the Glazers. Um, Do you have a favorite stand-up comedian besides yourself? And uh, why is it me? Um, It's you because... um... (laughs) No, I don't know, really. I don't. I used to watch and listen to a ton of comedy, and I just. Everything just seems so. I look at everything through a political lens now, you know? And so I just see so many of these comics that are just like. Like, will state things as fact for like a premise or whatever, you know? And, and so I can't even get past the premise because I'm like, well, that's not true like you can't just it's funny because they're like don't you know don't be racist don't be sexist or whatever like don't put people in groups and then they're like you know the way you put people in groups you fucking trump supporters you fucking policemen like they'll take entire groups of people and hate them and it's like dude you're doing the thing that you say we're doing that we're not even doing yeah, Like, we're not hating entire groups of people. We're just saying, you know, look at everybody's ID before they vote. Yeah, Like, I don't think that's racist at all. I think you're racist for thinking that that's racist. Yeah. Like, but that's just, it's, you know, so I'll see a comedian that are just like, well, everybody knows that uh, cops are out there murdering black people. And I'm like, I don't know that. Yeah, like, I I think that the, from the numbers I've read, there were what like forty million interactions with uh, police last year, and I think like twenty two people got got killed that didn't have a gun. Yeah, or you know I don't know. It's like it's the same with the with Corona shit. People are just like uh, you know six hundred thousand people died. I'm like, how many flu deaths were there this year? How many cancer deaths were there this year? Yeah. Are those numbers, can we even look at them? We can't even look at them. Okay. Yeah. Well, I yeah. just question everything now, and I, I assume that everything is, is bullshit for one reason or another. Yeah. They just want power. Whoever they is, they just want power, and they don't want to give it back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, do you still do you follow Q and all that stuff? Well, I mean, I've, I've read all of the Q stuff. I haven't, uh, there's nothing to follow now. I, Q hasn't posted anything since December. Um, so I think that's funny, too, how the news is just now picking up on, on QAnon, and QAnon said this the other day. And I'm just like, no, Q didn't say anything. Like, yeah. just some guy said it. And, it like, there's... I don't know. I don't know what to think about Q, honestly, because a lot of it is like Nostradamus shit, you know, where where it's like uh, Q says it's going to be hot this summer. And then you <laughs> see like somebody get arrested for child trafficking. People are like, that's what he meant. Like, it seems like a pretty hot summer to me. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I put those together or like, uh, you know, like Mike Pompeo will tweet something 
and they'll be like, look, he tweeted it at 2.57. Let's look at Q post 2.57. What does that say? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that he did that on purpose like that. Like, yeah, I think you guys are, are just reaching. But but I do think if if I had never read any of the Q stuff in the past that I would like have my eyes closed to a lot of what I feel is like blatant shit that's going on now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if Q had never posted or never said anything that I would have been like, yeah, you know, like, you know, maybe Trump is kind of racist or whatever. Like, wait, what did he say again? Like it wouldn't have made me question every single thing and be like, Oh no, Trump didn't say Mexicans are rapists. Yeah. He said, like, uh, you know, like, what kind of person has to cross the border illegally? Like, not a good person. Like, if they're a good person, they'll just get in line and wait, you know, and come through legally. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it, So I just started it, – it was a little bit before Q, really. There was a, a, an FBI anon or something that was on there talking about uh, um, the uh, Uranium One stuff and – I don't know how much of that you've you've heard about, but basically, like the United States sold a good chunk of our uranium to uh, Russia, and the FBI guy that was that was posting anonymously online was like, like at, basically saying like, ask questions, you guys, like ask questions about this, like this isn't normal and it's not. It's not okay what they're doing. And it's like, wait, how much uranium do we have? And how much did we get rid of exactly? And whose decision was that? Yeah. And like, and why was it only five people's decision? I don't know. And that's the other thing that sucks, though, is that I don't retain enough direct knowledge about any of this shit to be able to have a good conversation about it. I'm just like, yeah, I know. It's like the... uh, uh, uranium stuff. Well, it's hard because uh, there's literally so much stuff and it comes out all the time. It, it's hard to keep track of and hard to decide what's important and what's not. And and the media, I don't know how you feel about the media. I have a feeling, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost like they are allowed to just make shit up and then a few months later or a year later or whatever, they're like, yeah, we, we retract that. That was all bullshit. You know, and it's like, well, the damage is done. People already think that Russian collusion was a thing, and they already think that he had bounties on the on American troops' heads and all that stuff. All this ends, even Stormy Daniels. All this stuff ends up being bullshit, and then, but then by the time they go, yeah, that was a crock. You know, like I said, the damage is done. So yeah, yeah, that's what I. They they start at one level and then they go down in levels until it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, uh, with the the Russia stuff, they were like, Trump's a fucking Russian asset. <laughs> And they're like, he's not a Russian asset. And they're like, well, he was working with them. Yeah. And they're like, no, he wasn't. And they're like, well, he likes them. <laughs> and they're like, I don't even think he really likes them that much. And they're like, he knows them. <laughs> and you're like, but that's not what you said in the beginning. You're like, look, Trump knows Russians, all right? He's a piece of shit. we got to get him out of there. And it's like, no, you said, ah. And then they, and yeah, just there's no argument with anything because everything's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they, the people on the other side, I think, think the same stuff about our side. Yeah. That yeah. just every word that comes out of Trump's mouth is a lie. 
and everything that a Republican says is is racist or homophobic or or whatever the case, you know? Yeah. And then they, it's like the the right never really acts. The right only reacts. It seems like it's the left that's always acting, and then the right is is reacting to whatever they did. Like that's why America is so much farther left now than we were when we were 15 or whatever, you know, like, I mean, I can remember being in grade school and doing the Pledge of Allegiance and, and learning about America and learning that like, we're number one, like made in America is a good thing to see on a product and, and that kind of shit. And, and the reason it's, it's so far left now is because the left is like, all right, we want to do this. We want these new rights. And the right's like, no, you can't have that. And they're like, well, we at least want a little bit of it. And the right's like, okay, you can have this one new right. And, <laughs> but there's never anything on the right moving us back that direction where the people on the right are like, all right, let's just ban some abortion. And they're like, what? No, like, we got them all. Like, we're never going back to just some abortions anymore. We can't. Like it, the the country would freak out about it, you know. Yeah. And so I, for the rest of our lives, I think we're just going to slowly keep moving more and more left. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, the world will continue to wake up because I think it. I think it might be slowly but surely waking up to certain things. But you know, that's another thing too. Like you think it's waking up, but that's only because you're only paying attention to your side of the street kind of a thing, you know. And then, like I remember after the. After the the uh, national conventions, I've never watched one of those in my life, but I watched the Democratic National Convention this year, and it was just a complete dumpster fire, and then I watched the Republican National Convention, and I thought it was like all these people from different walks of life, like... It was it was really it was really great. You know, there's some beautiful moments, and I woke up the next day thinking like people are gonna have watched that, and they're gonna be they're gonna understand why I don't think this guy's the devil, and they didn't. And then the next day, people were like, "Did you see the bigot fest last night?" Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, "Fuck, you guys just completely." And if you watched it on like CNN or something, it was gonna be a completely different thing. Um, you yeah. know, because every chance they get, they made him look like shit and they're fact checking him and all that. I'm like, why don't you check dumb, dumb Biden, what he's reading off that teleprompter? Cause that's probably bullshit too. Um, switching gears a little bit. I wanted to talk to you a little more about, about, uh, comedy. You've always done really well in those like festivals and contests and that kind of thing. And I've always had trouble with short sets like that. What's your, uh, philosophy going into those things? Cause you've won a lot of them, right? I've I've done well in in a few of them. I've won a few of them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I I feel like I'm more of like a a character. I guess like like I feel like people laugh at my silliness before I'm really even saying anything. Uh, and I don't necessarily do that on purpose. You know, I just have a goofy smile or whatever. I might have a big dumb beard. I don't know if that adds to it or not, but, uh, so I don't know. But then I also like, uh, I have maybe not as much nowadays, I guess, but for the longest time, I, I never really had like a, a good flowing act or anything. You know, I just had like a bunch of different jokes and that worked really well in a in a 
contest sort of settings because I didn't have to be like, you know, I didn't have to like form a foundation with the audience or anything and be yeah. like, well, I'm Mike, I'm from Kansas City, and because of that, then this. I'm just like, uh, you know, like pizzas are weird, aren't they? And like everybody's immediately like, oh, I know what that is. Like, why are pizzas weird? And I don't have a joke. I don't have a punchline for that. I just made that up. But <laughs> but I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't. I, I've lost just as many of them as I've done well in. So yeah. uh, I think it was more of a numbers thing than like a having a special talent for contests thing. I don't know that I've ever seen you have a bad set. Do you ever uh do you ever eat it anymore? Um I don't think I ever like a hundred percent eat it, uh where there's just like no response or booze or anything like that. Like I mean I've gotten booed a few times, but it's not because of like consistent shitty comedy. It's from like <laughs> one line and people are just like, No, boo. Yeah. Like, All right, not that. I'll talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, even on shows that are really bad, like I'll have, you know, a table that's laughing at me that's keeping me going throughout the whole thing and and I'll, you know, and then I'll go back to them and be like, Oh man, you guys if you guys weren't here then this whole thing would be dog shit. And then the whole crowd will laugh at that. And, yeah. And, you know, like I, I still have shitty shows that I wouldn't want people to see, you know, but, yeah. but I don't think I have any where people are just leaving angry or like leaving embarrassed for me or anything like that. Not in a while, not in a long while. Is there one that you can point to that's like the worst set of your entire life? Uh, I mean, the thing that makes me cringe the most uh, from my entire comedy career is I was doing a show at some bar in Kansas city once. And, uh, it was, there were like biker ladies there. And, uh, and then, uh, and I was eating it. I was supposed to, I don't remember do 10 minutes or something. So I'm like two minutes in and I'm just doing shitty already. And, uh, there's like a girl that's sitting by herself, uh, who was like not unattractive, but not, super attractive somewhere in the middle and she's just sitting by herself and i'm on stage eating it and i just hear somebody say like you need to get funnier or something like that and i heard the voice coming out of her head and so i looked at her and i was like well maybe you should work on getting prettier and then we'll talk about (laughs) and i just the look on her face that just told me like i didn't say anything that was someone behind me that said that and she was just so like hurt yeah and like and I and I just think about that and her face every time I feel awkward about anything. Yeah, I'm just like God, and that's like that time that I told that girl she wasn't pretty, and she didn't even fucking heckle me. Like, yeah, I was like being a dick to her for no reason. I don't know that sucked, but I don't know if that was my worst. I don't know what my worst said or like just really eating it. Oh, I do remember I, I drove 15 hours to New York City to do like a, a showcase once and uh, found out about it like at 10 o'clock the night before. Like, hey, if you're in New York tomorrow, you can go up at Gotham. And I was just like, I'm on my way. <laughs> and I hopped in my car and drove to fucking New York. And like that was the first time that I learned that New York was like three years ahead of everywhere else as far as like the being woke and shit. Because I used to have a joke about uh, 
uh, ordering shots and like the names sound all girly. And I'm like, I don't want to order a shot that's going to make me look gay when I order it. And uh, this was like 2007, so that was still completely okay to say, you know. And, and the punchline was just like, oh, I'll get a, a get, can I order a penis in my butt? Uh, was the joke. But so I go on stage, this is my opening joke. I've been opening with it for like three years and crushing all over the country. And I go to New York, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to order a shot that makes me look gay. And you can just audibly hear the crowd go, <sighs> and I was like, oh, God, all right, well, four minutes and 45 seconds to go. Let's see if I can dig out of this hole. And I could just feel my face turning red, and it was just a bad set all around. And yeah. like all of the people that had heard, like, oh, this guy drove 15 hours. He's hilarious. You're going to love it. Afterwards, they were just like, hey, good to see you, man. Yeah. Oh, ghost. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, do you get nervous at all before you do comedy? Have you ever? Oh, I definitely have. I usually don't get nervous before just like regular shows. I, I get nervous before bad shows. Uh, like if the if the feature act is on stage and I know that the feature act is funny and he's eating it and the crowd's like half talking to each other and a few of them are yelling shit out and then I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I don't want to fucking do this. I just want to go home. <laughs> like, I get that feeling sometimes at bad shows. But, no, I really only get nervous when it's important. Like, uh, auditions and fucking, like, Last Comic Standing, America's Got Talent, like, shit like that. I'm, like, holding the mic, and I can just feel it shaking in my hand. And I'm like, God, I wish I wasn't shaking right now. Like, yeah. if you just put me in front of a regular crowd, I swear to God, I'll do good. But... You put me in a weird hotel room in front of two guys behind a table, then all of a sudden I'm not that funny anymore. You know what I hate is when the owner of the club is in the is in the room. You know, I try to tell myself just do what you do the way you do it, and you know you're not going to do anything different just because so and so's here. But like if it's not going well, or if I do a joke that normally does well and it just kind of gets a whatever, that's all I can think about is them in the back of the room and how they think I suck. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that's what I would think about, too, you know? If I yeah. look over and saw a club owner standing there right as I'm saying a punchline that doesn't hit, yeah. then I'm just like, ah, shit. <laughs> it's the same, though, like if I have a family there or whatever. Yeah. I remember my mom and dad came to a show at the Kansas City Improv to watch me open for uh, Christopher Titus, and uh, they sat right in the fucking front row, and uh, it ended up just being a two-man show, and so I was all nervous about that because I thought I was featuring. I thought I was going to have somebody to fluff the audience a little bit before I went up, but I just had to go up cold, and I didn't have the experience to, like, MC a little bit and then get into my act, you know? So I just walked out to this cold audience and was just like, oh, pizzas are weird, huh? <laughs> and the audience is like, what, is this the show? And, and, and just watching my mom and dad just sit there with their arms crossed, like uncomfortably not laughing at me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a rough one. Yeah, that room can be great, and it can also be weird as shit, you know? Um, well, this was before they moved. This was the original KC Improv, when it used to be inside the movie theater. Uh, okay, yeah. You know I, what I'm talking about? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. So it, it had like that, you walked out of, a, out of the green room down a long like walkway, and the whole walkway was in front of the audience. So, <laughs> And you couldn't like walk out early. 
because the audience would see you. So you had to wait till they said your name and then start that long ass walk yeah. and then get to the mic. It was just so weird. I hated it. <laughs> do you have, uh, do you have ultimate career goals and have they, have they changed since you first started? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first started, I was like, if I don't have my own TV show by the time I'm 21, then I'm quitting. And uh, then I hit 29, and I was like, all right, well, I mean, you know, I guess I'll stick with it still. That TV thing didn't work out. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. My goal is always, I would really just like to, I would like to open for a famous comedian on like their theater tour. I would love to just feature and sell T-shirts at in front of two thousand seat rooms week after week for the rest of my life. Like I would be totally happy with that. I don't want like a sitcom or uh, I don't I don't feel like I'm podcasty enough to do a podcast. Like I can't just rant about shit without stopping. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Uh, I I ramble and whatnot, and I l- lose my train of thought and that kind of shit. Like, but I'm good at doing written comedy that I've written in front of audiences that are there to listen to comedy. Like, I'm good at that, and there's plenty of that to do. Yeah. So I just want I just want to do that. Yeah, your your career always, you know, following it always reminded me of mine a little bit as far as like the steps you took, you know, and then like you got a good t-shirt and you were working all the time and and I'm like, what Baldwin is doing? That's what you fuckheads need to do. <laughs> like, like, you know, just, just get a good shirt and get a good act and go around the country and just get really good at it and and I feel like any opportunity that you get you're gonna knock it out of the park and uh you know i the older i get too the less i give a shit about certain aspects of it and i think almost to my detriment i've just always wanted to do it for a living like when i decided to do this in college i was like bill hicks was who i listened to and i was like that was the funniest guy i've ever heard and i've never heard of him so i could do this for a living even if i never got famous so I, I sometimes wish I would have put a little more effort into getting like a following and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I take pride in the fact that I'm good at it and can do it in any situation. And I, I feel like that's how you are. And, and dude, when I see like Last Comic Standing or anything like that and you're not on it, I'm always like, that's how you know this is not a fair business. Because I feel like... <laughs> I feel like you above anyone else should be on that show and fucking win that thing, you know? But these days, they don't pick... I don't know if they ever did. They don't pick, like, the 12 funniest guys. They're, it's like they're picking donuts. They're like, we need uh, we need three black guys. We'll take a girl. We'll take uh, an Asian kid. And, you know, it's like they don't give a fuck about just... I wouldn't give a shit if it was 12 black guys or 12 women or 12 white guys. It should just be the funniest guy. But there's so much yeah. politics involved, it drives me fucking crazy. Um, how do you, how do you, you seem to always have a lot of new material too. Do you actually sit down and write it? Not so much anymore. Um, I did for years. Like I would write uh, like a page in my notebook every day, even if I was just writing, like I'm just trying to fill up this page in my notebook right now. Uh, like, I got really good at writing there for a while, but no, like, the last 
several years, I mean, I've just been, I've been like, all right, I, I, you know, I got to do 50 minutes tonight. I'm going to do my good 10 up front. I'll save my good 10 for the end. And then let's just fuck around and see what happens, you know? And, uh, and then you take the stuff that was good and you work on it. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Like most of the news I've written a, a few, like, uh, jokes that aren't related to anything but most of the shit that i've been writing in the last year or two has been all trump stuff and all coronavirus stuff yeah. so i've got like my first 25 or 30 now of my headline set is all shit that i didn't have a year ago huh. um and it all kind of i mean it's most of it is i i feel like it's it's gone through phases of of working like, uh, when I first started joking about coronavirus, I was like, uh, I was like, this is, it's real, right? Like, is this real? And people would laugh at that because they were wondering the same thing. Like, what the fuck's going on? You know? And yeah. that was in April or May or whatever of last year. And then around like September or October, then that joke sort of stopped working where I was like, is this even real? People in the crowd would be like, yes. <laughs> And I'd be like, all right, well, fuck that joke, I guess. You kind of stepped on the timing there. And, uh, but now it's back to people laughing at it again because people are like, honestly, I don't know anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and I joke about it, but it's true, you know? Like, did are these numbers accurate? Like, we have 325 million people in America. We have, like, 600,000 coronavirus deaths. Japan has half as many people as we do. And they have like 900 coronavirus deaths. So I'm sure we're both counting the same. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, but that's the argument. It's like, did they die from coronavirus or did they die with coronavirus? And if you count all of the widths, then yeah, there's a million people that died from it. But if you only count the people that were totally fine, got the virus and it killed them, then what the hell are we shutting the country down for? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, the virus is a thousand times smaller than the, the threads of a mask. Like, it's like trying to catch minnows with, like, a, a big-ass, I don't know what a big-ass net is called, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> it just swims through the yeah. shit. Like, it yeah. doesn't do anything. It's It's, the virus is the size of, like, one molecule of vapor so if you vape and then put your mask on and blow the vape out it just comes out directly through the mask the yeah. same way that coronavirus would yeah. like it's not doing anything it's yeah. just the entire country was just like ah, just put your mask on yeah just don't question it like nobody was like is this doing anything yeah like our, and we shut down all the schools, and it's like, dude, are kids even getting this? And they're like, no, but that's not the point. Yeah. And it's like, that seems like that should be the only point. Yeah, like, exactly. Why are we shutting this shit down if we don't need to? Yeah, my little brother was like, uh, if you can smell a fart, you can get coronavirus. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Why do I got to wear a mask? If I'm, if I'm wearing pants and I fart, you can still smell it. <laughs> Did you you uh I'll let you go but uh you had coronavirus how bad was it It's uh I mean it sucked but I, the way I say it is it's it wasn't unlike any other time that I've been sick in my life I was just like I feel like shit 
for like a week. <laughs> and then I was like, I feel better now. Yeah. Like uh, the one thing it did do though, is that I lost my uh, sense of smell and taste. And I've never had that before. Like I've had like a stuffy nose and shit where I can't breathe. And, and then I can't smell or taste, but like I could breathe through my nose just fine. And I just couldn't smell anything or taste anything. And that lasted about a week. And then I could smell again. Yeah, my my best friend from high school is he's a you know he loves he's a total germaphobe and and wears a mask all the time and all that and and uh, he like went off on some some lady in a liquor store for not wearing a mask and and then he ends up getting the coronavirus. I'm like and then he goes and it, he, he he was like I had a high temperature but it wasn't that big a deal. He was like it was like a bad flu and I'm like why do people get so mad? When you say it's like a bad flu, when the overwhelming majority of people who get it say, that's eh, like a bad flu. <laughs> yeah, well, because anything that you say that, like, downgrades it, or anything that downplays it, you know, like, you, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the world, dude, and we should all be scared of it. Yeah. And if you don't think that 100%, then you're a fucking Trump-supporting racist Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> That's the weird thing is that it's all connected too. You're like, I don't really want to wear a mask, and people are like, Oh, so you're fucking racist, huh? <laughs> and you're like, What? How are those two things even close to connected? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a very frustrating time that we live in, but uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that there are people out there that I, especially in comedy, that I like and respect and think are funny that that kind of feel the same way I do. You know, um, and I've you know I've I've uh, I've lost a fair amount of friends this year, you know, not like super Me tight too. or friends or anything, but so you have lost friends from it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had like a few close friends, actually, that I'm not going to mention, but uh, but yeah, just completely stopped talking to me for really? like a year. Huh. And and then finally, just recently, was just like, yeah, I shouldn't have stopped talking to you. That was dumb. Like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you know? And, yeah. And I was just like, hey, you know, like, what what can I do? Like I, it's funny though, because it's, I don't see any conservatives unfriending their liberal friends. I, it always seems to be the other way around. Conservatives are the ones chiming in being like, Hey, actually, if you look at these numbers, then this, and they're like, I'm blocked. Yeah. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah. They facts. just don't want to hear any facts, you know? Yeah. Facts are not, are not, uh, popular in anymore. Um, crazy to me um what do you got coming up are you getting ready to do anything uh i'm doing a show in great bend kansas this friday at uh at some big theater they've got there i'm excited about that cool uh, and then the next thing i've got is uh crackers in indianapolis on uh june 18th and 19th i have had some great times at uh at crackers in indianapolis i've had some i've had some weekends i'd like to have back too like when i got jumped outside of the club but uh um i've had some great times what happened oh gosh this has been 10 12 years ago already uh it's like the first time i headlined there and i i came out from this show and i i had a little buzz i wasn't drunk or anything but there was this guy at the show and he was like stalking this girl who had come to the show with a girl that I knew and I was talking to him and I was taking their picture and then this guy tried to get in the picture and I'm just joking around I was like I was like nobody wants you in this picture dude because it was like two pretty girls and then he tried to stick his face in and uh so I didn't think anything of it and then 
He went to his car and got one of those things that cops used to carry around, those like metal Chinese yo-yos that are called asps or something like that. And uh, he came back and and I'm sitting there talking to somebody and the next thing I know, he hits me in the head with that thing. And he hit me like, I, I dude, I had two fractured orbital bones. Um, I had, my head was like, sounded like Rice Krispies for like, an, like a month. You just go, I mean, it was bad. The guy could have killed me. Um, I guess the cops showed up, and I'm like half in and half out of the street, and uh, it was pretty ugly. Um, Did the guy get arrested or anything, or was he just gone? He he got arrested, and then they let him out on some technicality, and then they put him back in. I had to go testify against him like years later, and the only only thing was they 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 uh, charged him with like violating his parole, but they didn't really they didn't really charge him with beating the crap out of me. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, he did go back to prison. His backup time was like 14 years. He's probably getting out. I should probably... <laughs> oh, God. He's watching this podcast just fucking shining his uh, telescoping baton right now. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've also had some great times there, so I'm sure you'll have fun. Uh, I don't think I've been to their new club, but... Um, well, it was great having you on here, dude. I'll let you go, but uh, is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? I don't know. Um, <laughs> my name's Mike Baldwin. Look me up on the internet. It's like Alec Baldwin, except it's Mike. Uh, you can go to MikeIsFunny.com. Follow me on all the shit. Uh, I'm in the process of starting an OnlyFans page. Nice. That I think I'm, I'm just going to talk uh, conspiracy shit on. And okay. see if... Because uh, I don't think you have to show your wiener on there. No. I feel like that would be like... Uh, against some sort of rules or something if they were like no you have to get naked i'd be like i just want to talk about conspiracies and they'd be like you can't unless you're jerking off while you're doing it you should talk uh, about conspiracies while you're jerking off i know man it's all a lie it's, everything's a lie i don't know why i don't and my dick is not long enough to i don't need to use my elbow yeah it, i can just all wrist yeah all right whatever <laughs> Well, uh, I'd like to talk to you about some other things, so maybe, you know, I I do solo podcasts sometimes, and I need to make it more of a um, consistent thing, so maybe I'll have you on some of those. I might even start doing live streams, and then uh, I'll have you on there, and I can pick your brain about some things. I'll do whatever, dude. We can do this shit every day if people want us to. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. It was good talking to you, Mike. It's good seeing you, and uh, travel safe, and uh, I might hit you up about who's booking Great Bend, Kansas. I love shit like that. I love those kind of shows. I'll I'll give it to you. All right. I'll hook you up. Cool, brother. All right, man. All right. Thanks, dude. Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Mike Baldwin. One of the funniest guys in the country, without question. Uh, if you get a chance to see his act, you should definitely check it out. Um, I'm sure his dates are all on uh, his website. Uh, I was always going to make it happen.com. Help out little Bo Macon, M A C A N, it happen.com. And my website is timgathercomedy.com. And I think that's it. God bless all of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.